0: Hi, I'm Bob Passavoy, president of the Midwest Pond and Koi Society. You're listening to 1590 WCGO, Chicago's Smart Talk. The Mike Novak Show starts in
1: three, do Don't touch that red button! I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. Everybody's out of work or scared of losing their job. The dollar buys a nickel's worth. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore.
2: It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, green gardening and environment radio, flavored with a dash of humor. Welcome to intelligent, irreverent talk about plants and the planet they grow on. Your questions, comments, and participation are always welcome at 877-711-5611.
3: Good planets are hard to find. Temperate zones and
4: tropic climes. True currents and thriving seas. Wind blowing, breathing trees. Strong
3: ozone and safe sunshine, will. Good planets are hard
5: to find Good planets, This week's main show main is main brought main to you by Happy Leaf LED Grow Lights, USA made with a five-year warranty. Jumpstart your plants with better light. And by Sitka Salmon Shares, bringing responsible and sustainable wild Alaskan
2: seafood direct to your door. Good
5: planets are
2: and here they are, the Peggy Malecki and Mike Nova.
6: And welcome to the show. It's amazing. Patty Chayefsky wrote that uh, more than 40 years ago. Mm -hmm. And you could plug it in today. You could just plug it right in to our situation in our country today. Right into the dialogue. It would fit right in. And it does. And so that's why I play it. I said, you got... That's from the movie Network, 1976, uh, when when it came out, Peter Finch... Who I believe won an Oscar for that posthumously, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I, th- I think that's that's what happened. So I,
5: I'll check at the break.
6: Uh, yeah, I might, you know what? I'll just check now. We don't need to do a show. It's okay.
5: I'm just gonna, <laughs> I'm just gonna, here, talk amongst you know, yourselves. I'm just going to go <laughs> to the
6: IMDb and we'll we'll take a look. Good day to everybody. I'm glad you're here. We've got a great show, and especially because, oh my goodness, we have goodies here in the studio you you cannot believe this i don't
5: cookies we have can cake. we hold
6: up one of those for the, our facebook friends so you can just see let's see yep there you go that is a luscious piece of what kind of cake
3: apple cinnamon walnut cake with a chai oh. honey glaze oh. and fresh home-baked uh, cookies honey um peanut butter chocolate chip cookies Can you come here every week? (laughs) Uh.
6: And the woman who was describing that is our guest, our first guest today. She is Carrie Schloss, who has just written a really cool, lovely book. I love the fact that it's a black and gold cover. I like that. It's just very classy. It's called The Asheville Bee Charmer Cookbook, and we're going to explain why it's called that. (laughs) Um, and uh, we don't care why it's called that because she brought goodies to the studio. <laughs> She's bought us with food. But the, the whole idea—the whole idea—is to cook with honey. Absolutely, and, and
3: people just think that you can cook. I mean, people think of honey just with tea or with desserts, but you can use it for any food, and even better, you can use it in cocktails.
6: Oh, well now we're talking wow. See, if, uh, if if Bill Turk is listening, uh, he will immediately uh, uh, listen in more closely. Um, and uh, so this is this is how we're gonna start our conversation uh, today. Uh, Jerry Godoskis is also going to be here since since you have honey, if you have honey, you gotta have bees and um, he's with the Northern Illinois beekeepers Association. Uh, he's also in Illinois and Florida master gardener and I have to ask him about doing stuff in Florida mm-hmm. since one of the stations that uh, we're on is down in Florida and uh, some of those people want to get uh, some information uh, but uh, if if you're a fan of honey you can be anywhere in the world basically
3: absolutely um there you know people will talk about honey varietals mm-hmm. and that's um, like a honey that just comes principally from bees pollinating one type of plant so recently, a friend of mine had been um, in Italy, and she brought me lemon honey. And it—you open it up; it smells like a lemon grove.
6: See, wow! You just said uh, honey varietals, and a lot of people immediately went, "Huh?" And they started <laughs> scratching their heads. So that's the con- thats where we're going to start our conversation. Okay. When we come back, Chef Carrie Schloss in studio. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Let's have some treats before we come back, but we will be right back.
5: This is Peggy Malecki. The end of summer doesn't mean the end of growing season. That's when I bring tropicals, scented geraniums, and herbs onto my porch, plug in my Happy Leaf LED grow lights, and watch them thrive all winter long. 50000 plus hour minimum lifespan, five-year warranty, USA made. Go to happyleafled.com and save 10% on purchases above $100 when you use the code Mike. Happy Leaf LED grow lights, summer light in the middle of winter.
2: Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals?
1: With this honey Just like honey baby, from the zoo. you can't stop
6: us on the road of freedom. Welcome back on the Mike Novak show with Peggy Malecki. Of course it, I had to find a honey reference uh, for our bump music a uh, Little Van Morrison Tupelo honey which is listed in this book mm-hmm. that we're talking about. This morning, the Asheville Beach Charmer cookbook by Carrie Schloss, who who happens to live just down the road here. Uh, yeah. Not very far from the radio station. Ten-minute drive. Oh, my goodness. You could have walked it over, you know? <laughs> uh, no, it's okay. You had cake, though. And right. we have it here. I'm going to test it on air. Okay. Not yet. Okay. Not yet. And we also have cookies, and I will test those, too. We will do not at the same time, though. I don't want to... Mess up the palate, Yes, you right? want to keep
5: your palate refreshed. Keep that,
6: well, well, what we do, then I have a little sip of coffee, and then I refresh the palate, and, and we go forward. So give us a little bit about your background uh, before we, we get into uh, the essence of the book.
3: So I actually uh, started out my career in finance, although I had always loved um, cooking. And um, I'd wanted to be a chef very early on, and my dad kind of said, no, you can't go to cooking school Eventually, not you
6: love parents suggest they, they, they just crush dreams left and right, like like paper cups.
3: but i I used to cook all the time, and um finally, I went to culinary school and became a personal chef and um a couple of
6: uh, where'd you co- go to culinary school?
3: Kendall College. right.
6: So, okay, so again, nearby. a
3: local mm-hmm. school. yeah. and um then a couple of years ago, my friends who own the Asheville bee tremmer, which is a honey store, in Asheville, North Carolina. But it's not
6: just a honey store.
3: No. I mean, so this This
6: is obviously, uh, we use the word too much on the show, but an iconic place. And it is, it is unlike pretty much anything I would think in the country.
3: Yeah, it is an incredible place. I mean, you walk in and they have like 50 varieties of honey and then they have other bee and honey related products. So like bath products. and But they also have anything that you can think of to do with bees and promoting Be Awareness.
6: Uh Uh-huh. And it's Asheville, North Carolina. Correct. Which itself is a kind of an enclave of of interesting, artistic, mm -hmm. creative people, right?
3: Oh, yeah, it is. I love going there. I mean, the food is great. The atmosphere is great. You have lots of artists. You have great craft beer, Mm -hmm. um, great restaurants. So it's just a wonderful place. And um and actually me sitting at their honey bar in the store tasting honeys is how the book came to life.
6: So how do you know these people uh, at Asheville?
3: So I, uh, the store is owned by Kim Allen and Jillian Kelly. And Kim and I um, have known each other since our freshman year of college. Okay. And so I went to visit them because they had, um, they used to live in Chicago. And they moved out there. And I wanted to see their store. And they have this great honey tasting bar because that's a... Thing is, people I, I, again, think, you got to stop right there. Like, <laughs>
6: how, how many people have ever been to a honey tasting bar?
3: Oh, and it's incredible, and it looks like a beehive, so it's um, <laughs> and you know, the thing is, like, people think that what they know is, as honey from the right. grocery store that really isn't honey. So, once you have people tasting mm-hmm. real honey, well, some
6: of it's not even real honey, correct? I mean. I found out about this a few years ago that there's a scam that you might think you're buying honey, but you're buying some other... Uh, Blend of something. Yeah. Well,
3: you're usually buying, like, corn syrup or it could be barley mm-hmm. syrup or rice syrup, and um, there are no labeling laws, national labeling laws for honey. Surprise! <laughs> so you really need to know what people are doing, and um, that's why I really encourage people to... Um, Buy honey from their local farmers' markets, mm-hmm. or you can buy it from somebody like the Asheville Beach or or,
6: or or a local farmers' market uh, or company that uh, uh, markets a product, and you know the company, and so you trust them. And isn't importing
5: it from South America or someplace else, yeah.
3: And I mean, it's funny because um, somebody had said to me, uh, I had gone to China a few months ago, and they're like, "Oh, are you going to buy honey from China?" And I was like. Uh, honey doesn't really exist in China because the bees can't live because of the pollution in, like Beijing, for example. So if is people... that true? Yeah. I so hadn't... people don't really. All right, now that. we're going
6: to have to ask Jerry about yeah. that when he comes <laughs> yeah. in here. There's... Seriously, you do, they don't raise bees in China because well, of the pollution. there
3: are. I mean, there are some in very rural areas, but like in the main sure. manufacturing parts, they
5: don't. Like have... in
6: Beijing, you're probably not going to find no. beekeepers. No bees. No. no. Yeah.
5: No. Well, and you know, going back to the local honey, there's also a lot of studies that have said there's health benefits from the bee pollen from yes. your local plants and not plants from elsewhere in the world. Yeah.
3: Actually, if you have allergies, mm-hmm. um, if you eat local honey because you're kind of ingesting some of the plants that you're allergic to, you build up immunities. Right. So it's a it's a good thing. Plus, it just tastes delicious.
6: All right. And it, no, yeah. I'm sorry. Go
3: ahead. Oh no, no, no. I was going to say, and it actually makes um, cooking a lot easier and mm-hmm. faster. Um, then you realize, because there's a lot of recipes that use sugar. And when you use sugar, you generally speaking have to have the sugar melt and all of this. When you use honey, you can kind of whisk it into sauces, yeah. dressings.
6: See, you've already got me thinking because I'm not a cook, okay? Let's, let's establish that. I, I have a basic repertoire of maybe a half a dozen things that I'm capable of dealing with in the kitchen. One of them, though, is pumpkin pie. I do the pumpkin pie each year, and I looked at your book, and I thought, and I went to the pumpkin pie recipe right away. I thought, you know, maybe I need to do this. But your pumpkin pie recipe is very different from the traditional pumpkin pie recipe. Yes. It's... Even the crust is different.
3: Well, so I really tried, um, I've, as I was a personal chef, I've had a lot of clients who are gluten-free <laughs> and dairy-free, And I really try to incorporate some of those ideas into the book. So you'll see there's designations um, on every recipe, if they're vegetarian, dairy-free, gluten-free. And um, for me, I I love that nutty crust on the um, pumpkin pie. Mm -hmm. There's just something about nuts and that kind of the roasted pumpkin flavor Mm -hmm. that I just think is delicious. So that's what I try to incorporate. So it is a different crust.
6: Okay. Uh, by the way, for the folks just tuned in, Carrie Schloss is uh, the uh, author of a new book called "The Asheville Bee Charmer Cookbook," and it's all about cooking with honey. And I wanted to get back, so now we have to go back to the you to the varietals in, to okay. varietals. So you're sitting in uh, a honey tasting bar. What did you? How did you describe it? A uh, yeah, yeah, it's
3: yeah. a honey tasting bar, yeah. and it's um, part of the store. And you know, one of the things that You know, most people think that honey is just this kind of light golden color Mm -hmm. and very pourable. Yeah. But depending on the type of honey um, that is actually, or the type of flowers that the bees are pollinating, the honey can be a variety of colors, everything from white to almost black. um, That's buckwheat honey. And then um, some of it can be very pourable, but some of it is spoonable. And it depends on the ratio of fructose to glucose in the honey, mm-hmm. and um,
6: and so, some of it can smell like old socks. As yeah, you
3: it
5: was said. the dandelion <laughs> honey,
3: <laughs> <laughs> It's like old socks. Wow, <laughs> that's that's so appealing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm uh, going to rush
6: out and get some of that right yeah. away. What um, what smells like old socks?
3: Um, so the two that are the worst are the dandelion honey and then buckwheat honey. And I remember I was. Um, So there are spiced buckwheat honey cookies in um, the book, and it's kind of a riff on a molasses cookie. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: Um, But molasses cookies can be very cloying, for lack of a better word, like that after you eat it, they kind of have this taste in your mouth. Mm -hmm. So I thought, well, buckwheat honey has a softer taste, but when you open the jar, it um, definitely
5: has a not-so-nice smell. It's (laughs) like dirty laundry. I, I remember trying buckwheat honey as a kid.
3: That yeah. one stands
5: out in my head because there was somebody that my grandmother knew that loved buckwheat honey.
3: Yeah, it it has um, similar properties to molasses, so it has that slight bitterness yeah. to it. But it does smell. But the great thing is that when you cook with it, um, the smell dissipates. So you don't.
5: You just have a lovely flavor mm-hmm. and no um, smell. One of the other, uh, some of the other varieties we talk about are infused honeys. Right. So. Um, yeah, so there's the, a
6: difference between the honey that gets its flavor just from... From
5: the plant. From the plant, And
6: other than, as uh, Peggy says, some, sometimes you infuse...
5: Right. So,
3: ...taste. So there's... Um, just to give you a good example, like there's um, cranberry honey, which actually has a little bit of a red tint because of the cranberry mm-hmm. plants. And um, when you taste it, it actually has a little bit of tartness, and that um, occurs naturally. But um, there are... So the cake that you're eating
6: actually uses... Which a, I will now... Uh, that's a good uh, segue okay. there. Uh,
3: it has... It uses a chai honey. And uh, um, so Jill and Kim take their own... Now, will this be
6: in the uh, the frosting or just the cake itself? Should I... Will the frosting both spoil ha- it? Both, both have hmm. it. Yeah. All right.
3: Good. So um, Jill and Kim will take their own wildflower or clover honey because they are beekeepers and they produce their own honey. And then they take like chai spices... And they will do this low, slow infusion to create this chai honey. So it literally has these chai spices. Um, Yum. And so...
6: <laughs> this is awesome. This is just...
5: Keep talking. Don't we're mind okay. Yeah, yeah. You just go
6: on as long as you like. We'll be here yeah. for a few hours.
3: And they do other ones like a cocoa honey or they'll do vanilla honey. And yeah. it's, you know, it just takes a very neutral honey, which is wildflower clover, and makes it into something a little bit different. So that is not naturally occurring. So um those are infusions and they're labeled as infusions. Um and those are their own specific recipes. Like one that they do um which I hope will become one of your favorite things Uh-oh. to cook. They have a um smoky <laughs> Good luck with that. they have a smoky chipotle honey oh. which I use in a um, chipotle honey marinated skirt steak that I mm. kid you not, the marinade takes 10 minutes to make.
7: All right.
3: You have it what on for— What page
7: is that in here? Okay.
3: <laughs> um, you marinate it for an hour, and then you just grill it, and you're done. And it's delicious. And that was one of the things that I really tried to do at the book is people are super busy, and they don't have time to be in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. So all the recipes except for maybe four can be made in between 15 minutes and 60 minutes.
6: Wow. Okay. Well, that that cake is uh, superb, but I, I would say, you know, if I ate that and you said identify the flavor, of course I would never be able to identify that. I don't think in a million years.
3: But it, you can taste um, a little bit of the cinnamon. And sure. You can mm-hmm. taste, yeah. So you can taste the spices. You may not necessarily know their chai, but yeah. you would probably be able to say that it has a little bit of an yeah. Indian flavor yeah, to it, it. It
5: definitely has a chai flavor in yeah. the background, you, but you can't tell it's from the honey necessarily. Correct. So if someone wanted to make that recipe and they didn't have the chai honey, can they use regular honey? Yeah, you can use... Um,
6: but what's regular honey? Seed? Well, what you, don't, you yeah. would get the
5: wildflower or clover that you get at the store.
6: Yeah,
3: so I would say buy a neutral honey. But even then, you really need to taste all your honeys. Um, mm-hmm. Just like you need to taste olive oils or wine, because um, you could have a Chardonnay from a lot of different places right. that will taste very different. Wildflower honey, for example, from one neighborhood will be very different than wildflower honey from even 10 miles away.
6: Well, the thing is, though, that means you're basically not buying your honey at the big grocery store. You're not because they're they're not going to have varieties there that you probably are interested in.
3: Yeah. I mean, we have a lot more variety in the Illinois and Wisconsin and Michigan area than people
6: realize. And but did they end up in those big stores? Or
3: they're not in big stores. See, but that's if you the point go, I'm making. No. Yeah. I'm t- you know,
6: on your right. regular shopping trip and you go to the big store and you just pile everything into the basket, that's not where you want to get your honey. No, you definitely want to go to
3: a farmer's market. And what's great about honey is you could buy honey all summer long and then just put it in your pantry and it doesn't go bad. So as long as you're not having it um, stored in direct sunlight... Your honey will last a long time and will last you all winter. So stock up on it when you have farmer's markets and just
6: um, buy not, as not, many not varietals. Not just uh, farmer's markets either, but places that sell products. I mean, there are yeah. co-ops and yeah. places oh, like that. A lot of the yeah. holiday yeah.
5: markets are going to be having honey. Yes, We were at uh, the McHenry County College Green Expo yesterday. Mm-hmm. There was a whole booth selling honey.
3: Yeah, so if you're ever in that kind of situation and you see a local honey producer, buy their honey. And taste it. And, um, you know, you can use in any of the recipes. I've obviously chosen what I thought was the Mm -hmm. best honey to use. But, you know, I have 50 kinds of honey in my pantry, (laughs) and not everybody's as crazy as I am. So um, you can use wildflower honey in all of the different um,
6: recipes. So is there more wildflower honey in the world than other varietals? Uh...
3: Yeah, I mean, because that's really the most general Honey that and Jerry there. out there,
6: well, I was talking to Jerry at the McHenry County College Fair we went to yesterday, um, and he's going to be in the studio in just a couple of minutes. Uh, he says a lot of honey comes from trees, and the people yes. don't know that, like the Tupelo honey, for, for example.
3: Or orange blossom. Yeah, I mean, one of my favorite honeys is actually fir honey, and it comes from fir trees. And it's this very dark amber, um, a lot of people will call it mountain honey. And it, um, that all comes from trees.
6: Well, we're, we're going to have to break here in about a minute and a half. Do you have to duck out or can you stick around for one more segment?
3: I can stick around.
6: All right, because now we then we'll get the beekeeper okay. and the honey specialist here to exchange ideas um, because it. I never knew there was so much to know about honey. I honestly...
5: We didn't even get into the honey wheel of flavors. Yes. Oh, yeah.
6: I want to let folks know that uh, I've got a link to that on my website. Go to net. It's the Honey and Pollination Center at the Robert Mondavi Institute for Wine and Food Science at UC Davis. And they created something called a Honey Flavor Wheel. Which breaks down the taste into basic flavor categories such as fruity, floral, herbaceous, woody, chemical, animal, nutty, spicy, caramel, earth. Some people say caramel. I say caramel, earthy, and microbiolo- microbiological. What the that would heck? be the old socks. Uh, that's the old. Is that the old socks? Yeah. <laughs> It could be. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I've got a link to
5: that there, too. That if you was uh, Amina yeah. Harris, I think, developed that.
3: Yeah, and I actually reference it in my book because I used it um, for some of the uh, part in the introduction.
6: Yeah, actually, I just read, uh, I copied that out of your book. So, And the name of the book is the Asheville Bee Charmer Cookbook. Carrie Schloss is the author. She's here in the studio. Well, we're bringing in Jerry, and we'll talk bees when we come back. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki.
8: Are you looking for a new ride? Ready to leave gas stations in the dust and speed down the highway 0 to 60 in under three seconds? Well, here's your chance. The Illinois Solar Energy Association is raffling off a 2018 Tesla Model X, the award-winning all-electric SUV, and only 2,500 tickets will be sold. Come on, we all know fossil fuels are going the way of the dinosaurs, but you don't have to. Switch your ride to an electric car by entering the 2018 Illinois Solar Energy Association raffle. All it takes is one ticket for $100 or increase your chances by getting four tickets for $300 at illinoisolar.org. So bury your fossil fuel car, go green with Tesla, and be part of a cleaner tomorrow. All raffle proceeds will fully benefit the Illinois Solar Energy Association, a nonprofit working to advance solar energy development throughout the state of Illinois. Winner will be drawn at the ISEA member meeting on December 6, 2018 and does not need to be present. Anyone in the continental U.S. is eligible, so get your tickets, the rules, and other small print details at IllinoisSolar.org today. Do you know
5: that Chicagoans are getting healthier all the time? This is Peggy, and I know this is true because for eight years, I've been publishing Natural Awakening, Chicago's greenest and healthiest magazine. And if you want your message to reach this growing market, you need to get your business in front of our readers. Why? Because our advertisers tell us that our targeted readers are committed to improving their health and they're ready to take action. That's more than 80,000 people in Chicago who will respond to your message. They're looking for holistic wellness practitioners, doctors, dentists, nutritionists, health coaches, yoga, even home improvement and landscape experts. Natural Awakenings is a free monthly magazine available in more than 1,100 locations throughout Cook, Lake, and McHenry counties. Call me today to expand your market and grow your business. 847-858-3697. That's 847-858-3697. Natural Awakenings. Feel good. Live simply. Laugh more.
0: You're listening to weekends on WCGO. Check out our Facebook live stream brought to you in part by our exclusive signage partner, Fast Signs of Lincolnwood. Located at 3450 West Devon Avenue, visit them on the web at fastsigns.com slash 80.
6: Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We're in disco heaven. Boogie, oogie, oogie, <laughs>
5: 1978,
6: a, a Taste of Honey. I had no idea this song. That's did. why I
5: said you're finding every honey song in the book. Yeah,
6: but how did you even know this thing existed? I probably
5: have the 45 somewhere at home still. Here we go. Seriously, I probably have oh the 45. <laughs>
6: Yeah, I got news for you. I'm turning the song down. There Out. we go. Okay. <laughs> Welcome back uh, to the show. And now we've got Jerry in the studio with us and, and more stuff that we're putting all over. Honey. Honey, honey jars combs. and honey combs and holy smoke. Uh, Jerry, uh, and you pronounce your last name for me, Jerry. Goudowskis. Goudowskis. Uh Let's pull that up just a tad. Oh, there you go. If you want to sit, there we go. Yeah. Jerry Godaskos is a beekeeper with the Northern Illinois Beekeepers Association and an Illinois and Florida Master Gardener. Why do you have Master Gardener uh, certificates in two states?
0: Uh, because I was a Master Gardener in Florida for three years. <laughs> and now they won't let me be that in Sumter County because they want me to go through the training again. They, so. Why not? So now I'm in a, in the hydroponics and honeybees <laughs> and community garden. What oh, the heck there.
6: with those master gardeners in Florida? We'll take you in Illinois, okay? Because I'm a master gardener here. Uh, and Jerry, uh, uh, I want you to meet uh, Carrie. Jerry and Carrie.
0: That's we met th- out there briefly.
6: Oh, that's good. You guys had a chance to, to chat. I, I suppose you heard some of the conversation.
0: I did scrape a little bit of it.
6: Yeah. <laughs> and uh, what I would ask you, for, well, first of all, you told me some stories about beekeeping in Illinois, especially this year and i always like to keep things up uh, keep it current and you said it was uh there was a a point in the year where you had some problems uh, mainly because we got really hot and dry and it really affected the uh production
0: that's correct we had a lot of rainfall earlier in the year before july and then we had what we call a dearth or a drought and during july so we didn't have the nectar flow that we should have had and then we had rain and rain of course washes out the nectar and the flowers too. So uh, my bees may not survive the winter because they had zero honey in some of their boxes. Oh dear.
6: Now that's odd because it was all, it was a short period. It was less than a month basically, but that really, it was at a crucial time, wasn't it?
0: Right. It was in the spring about March, we start out with the willows. I remember we were talking about trees for bees and Mike County out of Michigan, how important trees are for uh, honey and, and stuff like that. So then we get into the maples and the, the apples and some of the floral things, and then you end up with a goldenrod in the fall. But we need flowers for food for bees throughout the year.
6: Uh huh. Uh, Carrie, do you ever have conversations with? with beekeepers about that and about the quality mm-hmm. of the honey do they ever warn you or say we don't think the batch this year is that good or anything like that have you ever heard anything like that
3: yeah i, I had let's heard pull that, that
6: mic uh, toward pointed toward her peggy there, there we go
3: okay i had heard um, from quite a few people this year that it was a very tough year and for honey not just in this area but nationwide really yeah and the weather really played um i mean it you saw it in other gardening as well. Like, right. So um, I think the weather just played a part.
6: Well, it was a late season for one thing. Right. It was cool in the northern tier of the entire country, uh, stretching basically from the Atlantic to the Rockies. Very cool weather early on, and a lot of it was wet. And, um, Jerry, I would imagine that affects bees a lot. Uh,
0: yes. Of course, the climate affects bees, seasons affect bees. uh. uh in terms of uh, being reported locally, I mean, uh, Tim May uh, is a Harvard beekeeper with fourteen, fifteen hundred hives, and he's a president of American Bee Federation, and so he's reported on some of the uh, uh, beekeeping throughout the uh, United States. And he's had a, a tough time too with some
6: of his hives. So, uh, how long have you been um, a, been a beekeeper, Jerry? <laughs> I'm going into my fifth year. I started
0: when I was seventy-eight years old. <laughs> I mean, then am then. Give
6: that man a ding.
0: <laughs> all right. It has become so fascinating. My vine. I've been a master
6: gardener. And a, and also you have a farming background as well. Yeah, I've oh. always kept touch.
0: I I like to call myself a teacher and a farmer.
6: Yeah. Don't call yourself
0: a psychologist. People ask you all kind
6: of questions. <laughs> all uh, right. I'm going to start calling myself a farmer, so people <laughs> leave me alone.
0: Yes, <laughs> I have, and I have farm property now. Uh, primarily, uh, <laughs> primarily GMO corn and soybeans, which I don't approve, but. My nephews farm at downstate in Christian uh-huh. counties, so yeah. But I'm a gardener, and I started uh, Master Gardening in '95. Well, actually '97. I retired in '95, and I got in taking horticulture courses. I'm a bit mostly a technical person, and, and yeah, like, you're you're
6: you're kind of an engineer type of guy, aren't well, you?
0: Well, I was in the Air Force in electronics, and I got a, Then I got out and got a degree in physics, math, and chemistry. I Got a master's in counseling, and and I'm a National Board Certified Counselor, but.
6: As, Jerry, as I mentioned
0: the other day, you, when you go along in life, you find a need for it and you go for that need. And I've found different needs throughout my life with this challenge to me.
6: Uh, what I'm going to tell you, Jerry, is that you're overqualified for everything. Okay? No, I'm just I'm eclectic. You
0: know. I'm just an eclectic and I don't, I don't learn enough, so I've got to go learn more. <laughs> All
6: right. Well, let's take a phone call because we've got a, a caller and it's uh, bringing you Greg. Uh, you're on the Mike Novak show with Peggy Malecki. How you doing?
9: Oh, real good. Hey, it was good to hear this uh, topic here because we're here down in Beverly, and we have a we're Chicago's uh, first meadery, and we got a you know honey wine tasting bar. And it'd be great if Carrie could come down sometime. We do a honey and mead uh, pairing, you know, to her. uh, I mean, her uh, the different recipes she has. We could cook them up and pair them with all the different meads. It'd be a great, great event.
3: I'm so glad you called in because you are on my list to contact um, because I had heard about the metery and I haven't had a chance to get down there yet. But um, I uh, I would love to do that.
6: Uh, and by the way, Greg, yeah. give, if, let's take the time, give you a little plug here, okay? Uh, oh, great. The name of the metery and where people can find out about you.
9: Yeah, it's uh, Wild Blossom Meadery, uh, and we're in uh, Beverly. That's uh, 9030 90, South Hermitage, and we're open uh, Wednesday through Sunday, and we have a full tasting bar. We've got 20 different meads, and we raise honeybees around here in the city. We have some bees right down on Michigan Avenue and then other bees in the lakefront through the parks, and it's all local honey that tastes wonderful, but we all turn it into honey wine, and we have about, say, 20 different
6: varieties. Wow, so is that what mead is? Do you want to explain what mead is in particular?
9: Yeah, mead is the oldest fermented beverage on Earth, and it's actually wine made from honey, and it actually rivals grape wine. Uh, it actually was before grape wine, about two thousand years before that, and uh, it just basically got forgotten. Uh, honey, you know, is a, a valuable product and. Uh, it was much cheaper to make wine out of beer, you know, out of uh, grapes and, you know, beer out of grains, so uh, it got forgotten. But now it's, it's actually one of the fastest growing, uh, you know, alcoholic beverages in the country, and there's meaderies popping up around all over the country because every honey— from every region is different so you have a lot of different flavors and it's a, a great way to taste honey and I that's,
3: actually, oh i was going to say i actually have a blackberry mead
5: poached pear recipe in the book
6: <laughs> mm. <laughs> Whoa, I that sounds, known. Great. That sounds <laughs> fabulous See, I, I
5: think you'll be making that down at uh,
6: so uh down at wild blossom good. meadery anything in particular you want to get yeah. across other than let us know that the meadery is down there greg
9: uh, well, you know, please come by. We have a full tasting bar, and you can taste, you know, a whole flight of mead and uh, really get familiar with the product. And, you know, mead is the most sustainable wine on earth. Just to produce one bottle of bees will pollinate about 2 million flowers. And, you know, honey is super sustainable because when bees make honey, that turns yeah. those that pollination into seeds. So mm-hmm. it's the only food that actually produces more food when it's made.
6: And, it, and isn't it the, uh, the only food that can last thousands of years and that they'll find it in? Go ahead, Greg. Uh, only, in, or, or, only
0: insect yeah. that makes food. Yeah, the only through. insect that makes food for human beings is a honeybee. Oh, is that
6: true? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But it's also. It, and it, it
0: never goes bad.
6: It, it, yeah, that, which is great. Hey, give us a website there, uh, Greg. It's uh,
9: wildblossommeadery.com. Uh,
6: wildblossommeadery.com Really appreciate you calling, Greg. And you know what? I'm going to hook you up with uh, Carrie. Uh, in fact, oh I,
9: great, thank Pe- you. Pe- Pecky and thank I you. have
6: have said we need to go down and do a show live from the meadery Think we could work that out on a Sunday morning?
5: Oh, uh, for sure, anytime.
6: All right, let's put it on the calendar. Let's All let's right. do something.
5: We'll give Greg a ding here. Take care.
6: There you go. All right, thanks uh, for calling, thanks,
5: Carrie. Thanks, Thanks
6: Mike's. All right, bye-bye. And uh, by the way, it's 877-711-5611 if you want to call in and and comment on this. Um, and I noticed that uh, Jerry on uh, you brought in uh, a bunch of stuff here that you you've got
5: We got some show and tell in the studio. Yeah, of- so tell
6: us what what you have here.
0: Uh that's a a box of frames of picture frames I use in teaching that tells what's on on all the frames as we go through oh, the, the through the hive.
6: Okay, there we go. And right, right. uh Yeah, so it's a frame but it has photos that uh right. that are on it and it's different photos on the front. And, and you give and a lot
5: of lectures on Thanks yes, for going so for the go close up there. I appreciate
6: that you guys. Let me let me hold up another one. Uh, get another one. That one
5: says The Foraging Bees Propolis. propolis.
6: Propolis. On one side.
0: And
5: foraging yep. bees. What's, what's a propolis?
6: There are
0: four things that bees bring into the honey. I bring into the honey hives. The boxes are nectar to make sugar, a pollen for their proteins, water for cooling, and resin, make which makes propolis. Resin and honey which makes a propolis. It's our bee
6: medicine. Propolis is bee
0: medicine. Aha. Uh-huh.
6: So you've got, and this one is the queen and her court. Yeah, the, which is marked there in blue, yeah. and that one
0: yellow there. Yeah, it's we also a softball
6: thing. Of the queen, <laughs> there's like queen and just four drones, and they they'll take on anybody in a softball game.
5: So. <laughs> oh dear! Yeah. And, then, and then there's
6: wax, beeswax. Yes, of course.
5: Bees
0: wax is, uh, the bees make the wax. Uh, yeah, pull, they, just yeah. pull that
6: mic up. You're great. There's
0: yeah. eight. There's eight uh, segments in their abdomen, four on each side. That sugar sugar water is main, brought in there, and the waxes. And every twelve hours, they make a flake of wax, and then they pull it off and, and uh, put it in their cones. So, so that's very clever the way
6: you have uh, these uh, these racks <laughs> here and, and with, with the photos in them.
0: And this is a frame of honey that I that one of our guys was doing ag expo, and I, they knew it. I had it in the freezer. This is three years old here. Uh-huh. It's from the one of the brood boxes. It's full honey, full waxed over. But it's been in. The, I may took a one by six and made a, a, a case out of it. Uh-huh. Let's we hold show that it. up
5: so people can. We well,
0: sh- we show it at fairs and everything else of how honey is. It's capped over. And Actually, there's
6: the camera the right there. there. Right. Yeah, no,
0: there I you. can't get it. Yeah,
5: yeah. 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 No, there okay. we go. Yeah, that's, it just yeah. gets from yeah. so. And again, so many of these products yeah. are also used um, medicinally and for health benefits right. too. Right.
0: And then this is a project I'm working on with five year olds, and I introduced them. It's over at Harvard. Uh, and it's on it, Rotary International, if you on go dot .com, the power of the garden. Being
5: I'm, I'm, a gardener is fun. I'm proud right. of that. Then, We're going to take a right, short take break. got to take a break here. Okay. And
6: we'll be back with Carrie Schloss and Jerry Godowskis. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Do you love trees? Do you have a great story to tell about a special tree in your life? The Morton Arboretum and Openlands have partnered to launch Tremendous Tree Stories, an online collection of stories highlighting people's connection to trees. Submit stories of the trees you cherish, remember from childhood, or that hold a special meaning for you. Browse the collection and consider sharing your own tree story by visiting tree-stories.org. Tree-stories.org.
4: this is your talk.
0: Hey, this place is really something else, huh?
4: Only on 1590 WCGO. Evanston, Chicago.
0: Make a little
9: birdhouse in your soul. Not to put too fine a point on it. Say I'm the only bee in your bonnet. Make a little birdhouse in your soul.
6: <laughs> Some of these I have prepared. Uh, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We're having fun here. Uh, we've got uh, Chef Carrie Schloss in the studio with us, who is the author of the Asheville B. Charmer Cookbook, uh, and you can get it wherever fine books are sold. Uh, pretty much everywhere uh, online. I was all—all all of those places you order books from are there, and and actually, independent bookstores do go into mm-hmm. an independent bookstore and get it. Uh, Jerry Godowskis is also in studio. He's with the Northern Illinois Beekeepers Association. He's an Illinois and Florida Master Gardener, although Florida won't let him take. And the he's test in again. the Master
5: Beekeeper program at the University of Florida. Yes, wow,
6: it's a five-year program. And when did you start that?
0: 2015, when I was hunting for
6: information about kids, and why do not you uh, wait till you're 90 to start it? I think that would be. Oh, uh, I
0: told my monitor down there, my extension advisor, this is my last major learning event. <laughs> 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 oh, Jerry, you <laughs> I gotta
5: tax my memory. <laughs> uh,
6: no, this is good. You're gonna keep that. You're you're fresh. You're yeah, but, you're really sharp here. So you,
5: you were saying over the break, because um, we've got some tupelo honey that you yes. brought in, uh, that we're smelling some of the different honeys that um, with the hurricane. Yes. That's going to be affecting yes. Florida honeys this year.
0: About 5 500 beekeepers in the Panhandle and they've wiped out maybe 50,000 hives. Oh my goodness. And uh we're we got a go funding page to try to help out those people as well as we did in New York and I mean in Puerto Rico what happens is not only the hives taken down with the winds and the waters and everything else we've lost all our food sources. So we've got to some way help those beekeepers down there. Pick up the bootstraps. And, and let's you know, let's uh,
6: make something really clear here. Uh, bee, uh, honeybees are not native to correct. the United sure. States. They, they're they sometimes called Western honeybees, sometimes called European honeybees. Uh, uh, Apis mellifera.
0: Right. Apis mellifera. The European one that was brought in in 1622 was Apis mellifera la, mellifera, which is a black bee, which we don't have anymore.
6: Right? Ah, uh, and, okay, we were doing a little taste test here. We uh, uh, Jerry brought in some samples of, this is all your honey?
0: Uh, not the Tupelo. It, I work with a beekeeper in Florida that has 500 High Scott Irving out of River Aperies, and I sell honey down there with him, the Tupelo, the Goldberry, the Sourwood, the Orange all right, so, Blossom, the Wild Jerry, you're like that, you're yeah.
6: sniffing one. That's this year's, right, Jerry? I, yes. I haven't
3: tasted it, but, I mean, it smells just delicious. And what's really nice is...
6: What's the um, essence you're getting out of well, that?
3: Well, so because it's... Like a wildflower, it has a very floral scent, but it's very mild. Um, so this is kind of the kind of honey that you'd want as a very neutral honey uh-huh. to be able to use in almost any recipe. Okay. So this, and <clears throat> I mean, the colors one... really, because he had two different years. Right, one's yeah,
6: and 2014. And mm-hmm.
0: 2014 is the one I won all kind of awards on in Florida, the Welsh Honey Show, and it's been in there since then. It's, all you turn in is a, a blank jar and they label it for you. So take a take uh,
6: a whiff of that one and let us know.
0: It's a, I call my backyard honey. They're both from my bees in my backyard, which is uh, McHenry. Uh, ra- I'm surrounded by the city of McHenry.
3: And so you can I mean, you can smell a slight difference between the two because it, um,
6: it varies from year to year. You well, know? It'll, change. Yeah. it'll change. It'll yeah. change over yeah. time too.
0: Yeah.
3: And, and now, and which
6: one is that? So That's-
3: this is the tupelo. And Tupelo is absolutely one of my ap- favorites. I'm, all right, I want to try. It yeah, out. you have yeah, well, to smell this. Uh, Although,
5: if you want to smell this, don't smell that first, because that's right. a stronger smell. All right,
6: so let me start with the 20- Jerry's honey. Yeah, this is 2014, the award-winning 2014. Right.
3: And so Tupelo honey. Yeah, it does. Um, it's
6: it's sort of it's, it's mild. Just, it's, it's
3: very just, mild, light floral.
6: Yeah. It won
3: um,
0: over two or three hundred different. Uh, uh, colors of honey all over all extracted honey all right now here's the tupelo but
3: can you Whoa, smell the difference yes, yeah yes and tupelo is great it, because it, 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 it seems it's...
6: richer somehow mm-hmm. like like you know like your your blood will uh coagulate but it has <laughs> it has
0: more fructose than glucose in it and therefore it doesn't crystallize as much uh the, there's several sugars in there the next one that you worry about crystallizing is dextrose you mm-hmm. know and canola has a more dextrose in it so it' crystallize much faster than the but that's one of the top honeys the uh, locust honey is a top honey gallberry is also a top honey, but by the name, it
6: doesn't sell as well, but it's as good as tupelo honey uh and Carrie, yeah. you mentioned in your book you talk about the different honeys that crystallize and don't crystallize
3: right and so i I mean, I was horrified once because somebody said, "Oh, all my honey crystallized, so I threw it out because it was bad, <laughs> no. and I was like, no." And um the you know all you want to do uh, so all of Jerry's honeys are not the tupelo but these others are in glass jars and if it does crystallize you just get some warm water in a pan and put the bot- put the jar in and just over very low heat you let it um, warm up and it will, Uncrystallized.
0: I do mine an induction burner, which I set it at 110 degrees. Or you can, in a hot sun, you can it'll un-
6: yeah. uncrystallize
0: Just it. In
5: don't hot microwave sun it. Yeah. Oh no, 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 <laughs> no,
0: no,
6: no. Does it? But the crystallization doesn't change the properties at all. I mean, I mean, obviously it has the properties have changed somewhat. But how, does it affect it? Do you have to to melt it back to cook with it?
3: No, or- I mean you can. Uh, so have you ever seen creamed honey in a store? Mm-hmm. That's actually crystallized honey that they just whip. Really? Oh, yeah. That's how you get creamed honey. Well,
0: there's a um, process. So the Canadian out of Canada in the 1930s came to the United States, and, pro- and we have a formula to process how you. It's like you do in school. You used to do the crystal blue uh, crystals in one drop, a crystal out there. It's forming crystals. What it is, uh-huh. and when it crystallizes, it's get, it begins to get moisture in there. And if you get too much moisture in and up above 20 percent. You start to, it starts the ferment process. So 110 degrees is a good temperature. You get 145 degrees, you start to to um, pasteurize the honey. Then you lose all the medicinal values and everything else that's uh-huh. gone with it. For instance, if you put it in hot tea, it's more, it's more than uh, 145 degrees, so begin. To lose the medicinal values.
6: From oh, really? So when you're putting it in hot tea, you're not getting the medicinal value; no. you're just getting the flavor. It's still so sweet.
3: You sh- so you should actually, like, if you're sick and you want to have the medicinal value, um, you take you should um, just take the honey off of a spoon
5: and then oh. drink your tea or drink hot water. I had no idea. It's, yes. Yeah. Anything fermented, like a, a miso. Yeah. Same thing. You're not. You don't want to heat it, or it's going to lose its values, its right. properties. But actually, I mean, when you said, like,
3: can you cook with crystallized? So the cake, the chai honey I had was yes. slightly crystallized, and I just used it in its crystallized form when I was mixing it.
6: Okay, I have to add, this is, I'm probably being really crude here. Is there a problem if you pop it in a microwave at low and, and do it that well, you way? Do,
3: you can't control the heat in the microwave, so oh, okay. um, that's why you never want to use a microwave to reheat honey.
0: Got it. What you're doing is boiling. You're essentially, with a microwave, you're boiling out the water. That's uh, what you're doing in cooking with microwave. Put it in a
6: pot and warm water and let it gently bring it back. Right. And you
3: have to have patience to do it because it does take a while.
0: The other thing with honey, I don't know if you know, you don't think it's acidic. It's acidic. It's around three point six. I used to teach. That's pretty acidic. I was a master preserver too, food preserver, canning, freezing, the the University of Illinois. 4.6 Four point six is the critical point, but where at which botulism will or will not live in in, in the canning and other processes. So uh-huh. you can't mix some of the things, or you, you you have to know what you're doing. When I change <laughs> recipes, I I for salsa, for example, I use a pH meter to find out what the pH is. So you can't fool around with mixing, or you're going to make somebody sick. Garlic and oil. Is one where oil does not have hydrogen in it, and you can't figure out what the pH is. So, so I've the Midwest Garlic Festivals, lady selling that, and I'm shaking my head.
6: Somebody's going to get botulism because she didn't know what she's doing. So, okay, well, all right, just it's even with what we consider a benign food, because I think most people would say honey's pretty benign. Um, but it is acidic, it, and it's, it helps it, to know. What and you're what doing.
0: happens is the Bee takes... Things. Well, I'll
6: tell you what. We're not going to have time for that because I want to <laughs> thank you guys uh, for being on the show as Jerry I could ask, go for hours I know you stuff. could. Uh, I want to educate people. I know you do, and we appreciate that. Uh, and uh, you can go to my website to link to the Northern Illinois Beekeepers Association. You can go there to uh, uh, to find out where to get Carrie's book, Carrie Schloss, the author of the Asheville Bee Charmer Cookbook. A bunch of great recipes in there. Thank you both for coming into the studio. It's just thank been you. fun. Thank you. All right, we'll be back. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki.
4: Captain's log, Stardate four two three two six point one. The Enterprise is under attack by an apparently hostile life form. Mister Wolf, status report. Inexplicable, Captain. They appear to be perambulating vegetables. We are being stalked by stalks of asparagus. That is incorrect, Mr. Worf. Asparagus officinalis, or killer asparagus, was the subject of a very popular 21st century tome by the brilliant author Mike Novak. Mike Novak. I'm familiar with his work. Mike Novak was one of the smartest, funniest people in the horticultural world of the 21st century. Sound red alert. Shields up. Tell me more, Mr. Data. He has been variously compared to Mark Twain, Dave Barry, and Edgar Allan Poe. Edgar Allan Poe? author of my favorite children's stories. Captain, I am attempting to access a copy of the masterpiece. Hmm, it seems to be available online at AroundTheBlockPress.com. 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 Yes, Mr. Wong. Yes,
2: Captain.
6: AroundTheBlockPress.com. How many times can I say it?
2: Welcome to the second hour of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green, gardening, and environment radio with just a soup song of humor. Or is that a dash? Call us with your questions and comments at 877-711-5611. Here they are again, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. All I need is good
6: food to eat and make me healthy, wealthy, wide awake. Lettuce, tomatoes, root to bake. What about those sweet potatoes? All I need what, about is good to eat. what about that honey?
5: What about that apple cake? Is good
6: to eat. My goodness, All I need is good tools to we're uh, we're chowing down. Peggy and I are chowing down on cake. That Kerry uh, Schloss brought in here, and it's just fabulous. And I haven't even gotten to the cookie, and that's a peanut butter cookie. <laughs> so
5: I don't uh, know, Bill Turk. There's a piece of cake sitting here waiting for you.
6: Um, we should put a uh, candle in it and wish him happy renewed marriage vows, which which we missed last week. Sorry about that, Bill. Uh but uh, we're sending our good wishes. So that's it. <laughs>
5: Sorry, uh, I'm chewing.
6: I uh, know. That's okay. No, that's <laughs> fine. That's fine. Hey, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Uh, one thing we didn't say in the last segment when we were talking uh, to Carrie Schloss and uh, Jerry um uh, is, uh, you know, this would make a great holiday gift for somebody, the Asheville Bee Charmer cookbook. And then you give them a jar of local honey local with honey. it. Boom, done. This is – they'll – They'll be impressed. Your friends will be impressed, and they'll say, how did you know about that? And, and you could say, I don't know. I just kind of came up with it by myself.
5: Or uh, uh, I heard it on the Mike Novak show. Uh, you could do that, too. Yeah, Thank you, Mike be, Novak. And
6: speaking of that, I want to thank all the great folks who came out to the uh, McHenry County College Green Living Expo mm-hmm. yesterday. It was really fun, um, and it was especially fun to have folks who listen to the show come up to the table and say, hey, we love your program. I mean, that's always nice, you know, because we sit here and we shout into the microphone <laughs> and it goes out. And I figure the signal's going out past, past Pluto and maybe somebody on Saturn caught a little bit of the show mm-hmm. at one point. But we just you'd never know until people with. Uh, they
5: show up right at the table. They
6: do. And they say thank you for your show and thank you. Uh, for doing what you do so all of you who are listening uh you're welcome to do that anytime send us an email we love getting emails send one to mike at mikenovac.net and i'll share it with peggy uh you can also send it to peggy at mikenovac.net and she'll get it uh you're always welcome to call us at 877-711-5611 and in fact we have a caller and (laughs) rand was like wow great segue okay cool uh fran is on the line fran how you doing
11: I'm doing fine, thank you.
6: It's good to talk. Uh, good to talk I, I, to you.
11: As I was waiting, I I, I came up with, with another question. Have <laughs> you folks ever done a show on native bees? Uh
6: you know we have we have touched oh, uh, we okay. have touched on the subject, but you no 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 no. You're right. We need to like to go into that in detail. Uh, that in fact, yeah. Peggy's writing it down right now because our native. Bee populations mm-hmm. are, very, are very important, and they're yes. they're stressed as well. Um, and and in fact, uh, in the second segment uh, of this hour, uh, I'm going to talk about a story that uh, highlights that. And uh, it's not just bees; it's 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 all animal populations are in danger right now. So, but you had you wanted you called the other week, and you weren't able to stick around. Well, you, we if we get cut off here, we'll bring you back right after the uh, the break. So, what did you have in mind, right. there, friend? Okay.
11: Uh, it's a two-parter, um, and I'm getting varying opinions. That's why I'm calling you. I I, I grew from seed about 40 Coriolis americanda, the hazelnut shrubs. Cool. And uh, I wanted to know, they've dropped their leaves now. Should mm-hmm. I continue watering them?
6: Well, how big are they? For how long? Uh, uh, yeah, where are they? Uh, how big are they? Um, you know, are they, uh, they're whips, uh, I assume, so... Uh, what did they're wait, about
11: six inches tall or they're, they're they're less than a year old. I grew them from seeds this year.
6: Oh, my goodness. And where are you uh, keeping them?
11: Well, I've, they're in the ground.
6: Okay. I, I've mm-hmm. got
11: 10 acres out in the boonies and I put them in as part of a shelter belt.
6: OK, uh, you know who I OK, I would say because they're so small, they don't need a yeah. lot of water. Um, it's, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the radar right now and uh, there's a lot of water. There's a lot of water on its way and it's quite possible. It's going to take care, (sighs) take care of us for a little while here because we have not had a lot of rain and even the rain that has come in the last week or so, and we'll confirm it with Rick DeMaio has not been, uh, particularly
5: well, even this rain, they were saying on the news, at least last night, uh, less than an inch of rain.
6: Yeah. But your plants are small. And uh they the root systems vulnerable are, yeah the, well they are vulnerable, but the good news is it's not like uh you you bought a a, a tree with a root ball that needs to be watered. you have grown them yourself, mm-hmm. which means they didn't get stressed out by having all the roots roots chopped off when they were dug up. so you've got the advantage there. My feeling is you, go ahead.
11: I'm leaning toward. Not watering and and use, using uh, the, a touch method—is the soil still moist to my finger? Leave them alone.
6: What I, do you think? I, I'm thinking something like something like that. Here's what I'm going to do. You say you have uh, uh, Coralis americana. Yeah. All right. I'm going to find out from the pros. I'm going to give my friend um, Connor Shaw a call uh or kelsey shaw at possibility place because this is what they do all the time and i'm betting they'll have some good advice for you so rather than have me tell you what to do they're the experts at growing native trees and shrubs and uh i'm sure they will have the best information my instinct is you're going to be fine if you mulch them and you just keep an eye on them make sure they get a little bit of water Uh, because they have such small root systems. But I will get in touch, and I'll get back to you. How's that? Uh, Leave your information with uh, Randall, and uh, I will get in touch with you real soon. How's that? Uh,
11: One one more quick question. Okay, hang
6: on. From boat to doorstep.
5: This is Mike Novak.
6: One of the best salads I ever had was courtesy of a friend who grew it in her living room using Happy Leaf LED Grow Lights. 50,000-plus-hour minimum lifespan, five-year warranty, USA-made. What's not to like? Whether you're a beginner or a gardening whiz, these lights are the face of 21st century growing technology. Go to happyleafled.com and save 10% on purchases above $100 when you use the code Mike. Happy Leaf LED Grow Lights, moving the garden to your living room.
8: Are you looking for a new ride? Ready to leave gas stations in the dust and speed down the highway 0 to 60 in under 3 seconds? Well, here's your chance. The Illinois Solar Energy Association is raffling off a 2018 Tesla Model X, the award-winning all-electric SUV, and only 2,500 tickets will be sold. Come on, we all know fossil fuels are going the way of the dinosaurs, but you don't have to. Switch your ride to an electric car by entering the 2018 Illinois Solar Energy Association raffle. All it takes is one ticket for $100 or increase your chances by getting four tickets for $300 at illinoisolar.org. So bury your fossil fuel car, go green with Tesla, and be part of a cleaner tomorrow. All raffle proceeds will fully benefit the Illinois Solar Energy Association, a nonprofit working to advance solar energy development throughout the state of Illinois. Winner will be drawn at the ISEA member meeting on December 6, 2018, and does not need to be present. Anyone in the continental U.S. is eligible, so get your tickets, the rules, and other small print details at illinoisolar.org today.
0: You're listening to Weekends on WCGO. Check out our Facebook live stream brought to you in part by our exclusive signage partner, Fast Signs of Lincolnwood. Located at 3450 West Devon Avenue. Visit them on the web at fastsigns.com 80.
4: This is your talk. We're going to be here for a long time. Only on 1590 WCGO. Evanston, Chicago.
6: what i did there
5: yep so you don't need too much water that's right randall's just never shaking on his head
6: he doesn't like uh musical puns okay welcome back to the mike novak show with peggy Molecki, and that's why we're playing alice merton i got no roots uh, because we're talking, uh, we, we, we got cut off there, but uh, Fran had more that he wanted to ask us. And, and let me finish what I was telling you before, Fran, which is um, I'm happy to talk to my friends at Possibility Place Nursery who are specialists in growing native trees and shrubs and they will certainly have an answer for you again like i said my instinct is Mm -hmm. you're probably going to be fine if you mulch and you just make sure they get a little bit of water going into the winter uh don't let them dry out but right now we got some water on the way and we'll see what happens now you had another question
11: yeah well actually it's a two-parter again Number one, the same rules. I understand that evergreens, in in this case, case, little baby white pines. I understand that they transpire throughout the winter. Do I water them
6: so the ground freezes? Yes, yes, and that's okay. one of the things you can do. You know, especially with conifers, uh, going into the winter because they don't drop mm-hmm. their photosynthesis-producing machines, which are their needles. Uh, uh, as opposed to the, yeah, so they have those. And, yeah, when it gets warm and the sun comes out, they're transpiring um, and losing water, which means that if we're not getting a lot of water going into the winter, you got to help them out. You know, if you've got little guys uh, getting ready for the winter, make sure that they are well hydrated. And are these also things that you planted yourself?
11: Well, I didn't grow these from seed. I got them as little one-year-old seedlings.
6: And they're. Uh, did you say white pine?
11: Oh yeah, white pine, Pinus strobus.
6: I love the fact that you. Wait, there you go. You get a ding for for going straight to the Latin. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I will check with uh, with you know what I could I can check with. Uh, he, I think he he had some Pinus strobus there um, mm-hmm. at uh, possibility place. And what was we, the other one? I've got that uh, the uh, American. Um, uh, what is that? Uh, Corylus. Americana, the filberts. The, right. Cora, it's C-O-Y- C-O-R-Y-L-U-S, Americana. Right. Coralus Americana. So okay. I, I suspect uh, that...
11: Fi- final... Sure. Final final question, a very quick one. I, I'm stockpiling uh, horse manure on various parts of the property. I'm trying to... Re- Revivify worn out farm soil, mm-hmm. and I know that uh, I shouldn't be spreading it yet because it's still hot. How right. long does it take uh, before it becomes usable uh, around you know, plants? You know, to cool off.
6: Good question. Um, I would think uh, over the winter you're probably fine, um, but again, I can <laughs> check. You know, I, I again, our, somebody else we visited yesterday because I don't have a. A farm, and I, I, I don't. I don't store horse manure. How soon did you want to use it? Let me ask you that.
11: Oh, I, w- I would like to use it this spring or summer.
6: I got a feeling that'll be fine. Uh, our friend Polly um, McGann from uh, Happy Leaf LED uh, will give them a ding. We visited with them yesterday as well. Uh, she's got a couple of horses on their uh, acreage out there in Oregon, Illinois, and the last time I visited her she gave me a bunch of that stuff. She has horse manure that she puts in a pile and lets age and we we threw yeah. some of that we threw some of that in a bag and I brought it back with me to Chicago which is uh, really great right. to have. Uh I'll ask her how long she keeps it. Maybe she might even be listening this morning and if she is,
5: let us know, Polly. Uh, yeah, if you uh,
6: how long you let that age, but you know, you've got to let it age for a few months at I, I least. Meant,
5: yeah, I know when I've Done it over the winter. It's been fine. I'm looking at a couple things online that say sfgate and thehorse.com and uh, an extension article. Pile it up, turn the pile several times, and four to six weeks.
6: Wow, that's quick. Uh, that's really. But quick. there's a
5: lot online if you just search for it.
6: Yeah, uh, we'll we'll see if we can find more. So that's why you know, being on the safe side, I was thinking, yeah, you know, you overwintered the thing. Yeah, and it's how probably, much you turn
5: it, probably. I guess
6: turn like any compost. The more you turn it. Uh, the more it uh, uh, decomposes. So that's what you're looking for. Good point, good point. Okay, I'll be listening. All right, thanks, Fran. Always a pleasure talking to you. Okay, bye-bye. Right, bye-bye. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Hey, if you got any other questions, uh, 877-711-5611, we'd be happy to talk to you. Uh, we started uh, talking a little bit about uh, the uh, McHenry County... Green Living Expo that we were at yesterday, and you can go to uh, our Facebook page, The Mike Novak Show, and you can see some of the stuff that we posted up there. We have some videos of the fish tank. How cool was the fish tank?
5: That was amazing. Um, 2,500 gallons of water.
6: And all, you know, I wish Mike Jackson had been there. He would have really enjoyed that. I mean, he he could have, of course, he would have probably tried to throw his line into the top of the tank. I I don't know. There
5: were so many kinds of fish in there, and I was actually watching um, as they were getting ready to take the tank down. And Illinois Department of Natural Resources, IDNR, has a much smaller, uh, well-insulated stainless steel tank on a trailer. And they were getting ready to move the fish back when I left. And so that's how they transport them. But there's this huge, pretty much on a semi type of, glass tank that they had set up out in the parking lot that they take to a lot of shows so that people can see the fish and learn.
6: And the guy, uh, uh, Owen, what what did they call that tank? Do you remember? Hog trough. Hog trough. (laughs) Uh, They call it a hog trough. Uh, And he said, yeah, we're getting ready to take this apart and rebuild it because they had a little leak in one point. Mm -hmm. I mean, nothing serious. It's like, I told him, it's like going to the Chicago Flower and Garden Show, and (laughs) if you've got... Uh, any water feature, it's going to leak. Yeah. It's it just there's no way. I mean, you're you're setting it up temporarily, like, for five days or it used to be and ten. And they're
5: hauling this thing all across the country, so it's, yeah, it's going to Yeah, it gets get beat
6: up, uh, and they don't haul it with water in it, and they bring it. And I was surprised they just used tap water to fill it up. Now, he says then they treat it so mm-hmm. that the fish, you know, I would say, why don't you just scoop water out of the Fox River and put it in there? I don't know. Of course, I don't know if uh, they'd have need to have a license to scoop twenty five hundred gallons yeah, of know. water out of the Fox River. But that that was awesome. That and and the new greenhouses, holy smoke, that was a lot of fun. Too. And the raised
5: beds and and their whole urban ag program that they're starting. Rich out there.
6: Tobias uh, gave us the tour of the green new greenhouses at McHenry County College, um, state of the art and just clean as a. You love it when before you move into plants, it clean as a whistle. Just really cool stuff. And a great
5: place to be in the winter. It was quite toasty in there.
6: Yes, it was. Um, and, by the way, Shane uh, Shanauer was the guy uh, uh, out of Ohio with the hog trough. Um, uh, and, uh, and of course, we talked to uh, the Happy Leaf people. And we talked to, to uh, all kinds of folks. And one of the things I wanted to point out about that Green Living Expo, uh, you and I have been to Green Living Expos before. We, you know, mm-hmm. I sometimes... You know, amongst us environmental types and people who do these things, you and I have talked, Peggy, about this many times. We say, how many more of these kinds of shows do you need? And then you end up going to a really good one, Mm -hmm. like the one we went to yesterday. And you go, oh, okay, I get it. That's why you do it. Uh, Not only were... The vendors, and, you know, you use the word vendor, and it's almost a pejorative, but it's not. These are people who have— Exhibitors. Yeah, let's call them exhibitors um, with great products and great ideas, and a lot of them are organizations that are Mm -hmm. trying to get you to do things smart. Educational groups. I mean, I've got my uh, climate voter button on right here, folks. Mine's sitting
5: on the kitchen counter. Good spot for it. There we
6: go. I've got it at the camera. And that was
5: League of Conservation Voters. We're there from McHenry County.
6: Right. And, in fact, I talked to a friend of mine who's uh, with a tree care company. Uh, that I know about. And I said, what do you think? He says, wow, this is really good. I'm going to have uh, have him come back next mm-hmm. year. Uh, so Kim Hankins, if you're listening, you put on a good show. You put on a great show. Um, and we're happy to be part of it and, and proud that uh, that we're able to help sponsor your event each year up at McHenry County College. So yeah, this is that that that's the way to do it. If any of you are going to do a green show, mm-hmm. you should go up and see the way they do it up at McHenry County. And there, and I always tell the people in McHenry County, there must be something in the water, because <laughs> they're all environmentalists. I mean, they get it. They all yeah. they all seem to get it up there. And I'm not sure. You know, I was looking at uh, a home I'm in McHenry County. I thought mm, maybe I should. Uh, maybe i should uh, slide out to get away from the city i mean looking at the taxes and everything in chicago and uh, i don't know just just thinking about it all right uh again uh, you're welcome to call 877 but we uh had a few other things going on and peggy and i just wanted to talk about some of the issues for or, yes do you
5: want to talk about chicago recycling too
6: yeah i do I've, i i think we can start there just kind
5: of looking at at our break time here
6: yeah i know it's coming <laughs> These segments go by really, really fast. Although don't they? nobody
5: changed the clocks in the studio.
6: Oh, that's right. It's eleven. It says eleven twenty-six here. Okay. No, it's actually ten twenty-six. Wait a second. We've been off the air for twenty-six minutes, and I didn't even
5: know Time it. Time to eat cake.
6: All right.
0: I just wanted to see how long you would go without. No,
6: <laughs> sure, you did, Randall. Okay, sure. Um, but um, I was going to say something else about uh, not, not, not about the. Um, Uh, recycling thing, but uh, whatever it is, it got wiped out of my head. Sorry. That's okay. Now you have to start then. I'll make you start. Because you wiped my my train of thought away. So
5: Thursday was a a day of city council uh, talking budgets, and one of the budgets coming up was streets and sanitation, and it was a great way to bring Chicago recycling to the forefront. If you were listening last week when we had Madison Hopkins on talking about the Better Government Association's Expose on mm-hmm. the current state of Chicago recycling and the dismal recycling rates of nine percent.
6: Yeah, that that's as as I said when she was on the show when Madison was on the program uh, and talking about the article she wrote for the Better Government Association. Um, it sort of opened the floodgates to a new conversation about mm-hmm. how bad recycling is in Chicago. So uh, last Thursday there was a press event featuring uh, the Illinois Environmental Council, uh, Illinois Public Interest Research Group, or PERG, which some of you might be familiar with, uh, the Chicago Recycling Coalition, and the Mike Novak Show. And we all met at City Hall, and we a- actually had several aldermen. Uh, all- in fact, all three of the aldermen mm-hmm. who showed up have been on this program, so it gives you an idea of who is yeah, going to Al- show Alderman up. Alderman
5: Smith, Alderman Wagaspak, Alderman Arena.
6: Yeah. Uh, and they're all part of the Progressive Caucus. So they understand the need for environmental legislation in Chicago. And and one thing I want to note is that I know uh, BBM, WBBM uh-huh. Radio covered this. I didn't see anything online from BBM. I did a little search. Okay. Um, I didn't see anything from anybody else either. It's as if this thing never happened. Um, now, maybe you found something. I saw
5: one mention of it tied into, I think, a Sun-Times article.
6: Yes, and that's the point. Um, the Sun-Times did an article, but they didn't focus on this at all. Right. What their focus was was John Arena and some comments that John Arena made uh, about recycling. And I think I have that article. Is it up here? Hold on a second. Doot, 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 doot. Maybe I do, maybe I don't. It doesn't matter. Um, But the point is how little press this thing got. Um, And that's a shame because the city of Chicago's Mm -hmm. recycling rate is at 9%.
5: And actually it is um, WBBM radio. Uh, There is an article by Craig Delamore.
6: Okay. Craig Delamore was there. I don't know how I missed it. I did a little search. I didn't see it. But okay. Good for him. Good for BBM because they were there and they Mm -hmm. were covering it. And I appreciate the fact that they were there. Um, Very little else. So, we had Sun Times kind of related to it, and Craig Delamore, who actually did cover the event and wrote about it and and broadcast about it, um, and very little else, um, which is a shame because, uh, as we know, our recycling stinks in the city of Chicago. And so, what these groups did when they came there is if I can get this computer to cooperate, uh, they have some asks for the city of Chicago and the Department of Streets and Sanitation. For, for one thing, they want the uh, Department of Streets and Sanitation to work with ward superintendents who implement a permanent audit program for contaminated bins, and they want that done before December. So they want it done in a month. Now, uh-huh. is that going to happen? No, it's not going to happen. We're asking for it. Is it going to happen?
5: ha 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 but it does get people thinking about it when sure. you put the ask out and the there.
6: problem is one of the things that this report in the Better Government Association revealed was that chicago uh, or the chicago recycling bins are tagged at a rate 20 times higher by waste management than any of the other people who pick up your recycling and the problem with that is Waste Management also runs landfills. So when they tag your recycling bin, uh, then the city has to come and pick up the what is now garbage.
5: And take it to the landfill. Landfill. Woo-hoo.
6: Uh, and, uh, Coincidence? So is that a double dip on the part of Waste Management? And so they're getting paid by the city of Chicago to pick up your recycling. Then they tag the bin, and they get paid by the city to dump that into their landfills. And when they do pick up the recycling, they get paid to sell those commodities on the market. So I look at it and I say, no, it's a triple dip, is Hmm. what waste management is doing. And I'm hearing rumors also that waste management might not bid to be back picking up recycling in the city of Chicago. This is what I'm hearing from my folks on the inside. So who knows, this might be a moot point because the contracts got extended for one year, and they're going to be up in May. Uh, so, all right, we got more environmental talk. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. You're all always welcome to give us a call, 877-711-5611. We'll be right back.
7: Is your couch killing you? In a Green Diva Minute, you'll learn more and be on your way to living a deeper shade of green. Americans have much higher levels of flame retardants in their bodies than anyone else in the world. In fact, California children have some of the highest levels ever measured. Flame retardants are found in furniture, electronics, and even in baby products, and have been linked to cancer, birth defects, and other serious health issues. OMG, what's a green diva, or dude, to do? Furniture that does not contain polyurethane foam usually does not contain flame-retardant chemicals. There are non-profit organizations that have done the homework for us and have lists of flame-retardant-free furniture manufacturers. I'm Green Diva Meg, and you can find more low-stress green living tips at thegreendivas.com.
6: Whether it's March, July, September, or December, if you're a gardener, any time of year is perfect for a subscription to Chicagoland Gardening Magazine. It's the garden magazine for our region and one of the best gardening magazines in the country. Every issue features spectacular photos, articles by noted horticultural authorities, nursery owners, state extension agents, master gardeners, and more. There are columns like Ask the Garden Pros, regional reports, what to do in the garden, and even my column on the inside back page of every issue. I make up stuff and they pay me for it. Go figure. Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, a publication of state-by-state gardening magazines on newsstands everywhere. But go to ChicagolandGardening.com and get a subscription. If you're in other parts of the Midwest or the South, try one of the 21 magazines in those regions by going to StateByStateGardening.com or call 888-265-3600 888-265-3600 We all know where this is going.
5: Uh,
6: Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We just happen to be talking about things that are going to produce the end of the world. They're not even going to get to the uh, refrain, so we'll just, uh, you know, that's R.E.M. and Welcome back. Uh, let me finish this thing about recycling really, really quick. Uh, and and I'm entitled because I've been following this for for a long, long, long time. So the first thing is they uh, that the ask from these environmental groups, including this show, uh, is to get the ward superintendents to implement a permanent audit program because of those contaminated bins and what seems like a ripoff of the city and of consumers. Okay, let's put it in, in, in stark terms. Uh, they also want a full report from the Department of Streets and Sanitation by May that evaluates the managed competition. Rahm Emanuel said when they rolled out managed competition back in well, okay, uh, I'll be generous and say 2013. It really kind of started with 2011, mm-hmm. um, but um,
5: and what's managed competition again?
6: Yeah, uh, it is. You bring city workers uh, and you have some private companies, so you get. Two areas of the city, there are six districts, six areas. Two of them are being picked up by city workers and four of them are being picked up by private companies. And the idea is to like to see who does it better and see if we save money. Well, of course you're going to save money because the city trucks have more workers on them than the private. But if you're contaminating bins, if you're, if you're marking at 20 times the rate of everybody else that they're contaminated, are we really saving money? OK, we don't know. The problem is Mayor Emanuel said, well, we've got this managed competition and we're saving millions of dollars already, but there's no numbers to back it up. So the other ask is that by next May, we want to know what those numbers are. How's the managed competition doing? Um, and, and also we want uh, an update on the current goals. What are your goals of the recycling program? We're at 9 percent. Hey, do you want to get to 11? How about 13 how about 15. We don't know. And by when? And by when? Uh and on and on. So this is why there was this press event and that's why I was there and we're going to continue to push for it. So And you can watch yes, the Randall, video. Are you are you are you okay? We're off Facebook. Uh thanks Mark Zuckerberg. Are you going to get us back going? Get us No. I didn't even play it that long. You know what? All right. Do I get to rant about Facebook now? No. I, I hate Facebook. <laughs> I hate Facebook. i It's annoying and clunky, and uh, the only reason I'm on it is because— It's
5: the way of the world it, right I now.
6: I know it is, because it's a necessary evil for this business. And they bumped us off of Facebook because I played a few seconds of R.E.M. That's the way they work. So I guess I never play that song again, huh? All right. All
5: right. Back to what we were doing. Yeah. Now.
6: All right. Uh, you go. Actually, it
5: says it's been partially muted.
6: So maybe, uh, but I think, did you bump us off there? Uh, never mind. We'll just Anyways, let's keep Anyways, back to
5: this. So you found this article in The Guardian that you had posted with the ominous headline, Humanity has wiped out 60% of animal population since 1970, report finds.
6: Yeah. And if that isn't the most uh, terrifying thing that I have seen in the last year, I don't know what is um according and it, now this was the the one i posted was in the guardian um
5: by damian carrington their environment added.
6: Yeah but it was everywhere. Yeah. And the point is it's a it's a report produced by the World Wildlife Fund um involving 59 scientists from across the globe uh it found that in as the guardian says The vast and growing consumption of food and resources by the global population is destroying the web of life billions of years in the making upon which human society ultimately depends for clean air, water, and everything else. Other than that, we're fine. No problem. We're doing great. Uh, Quote, we are sleepwalking towards the edge of a cliff, said Mike Barrett, executive director of science and conservation at the WWF. If there was a 60% decline in the human population, that would be the equivalent to emptying North America, South America, Africa, Europe, China, and Oceania. That is the scale of what we've done. Um, we We are on a collision course with catastrophe, basically, on this planet. Um, I'm just, uh, and, 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 and a lot of people talked about this for a while, the sixth mass extinction, uh, the first to be caused by a species, yay, Homo sapiens, go people. Um, other recent analyses have revealed that humankind has destroyed 83, are you listening to this, 83% of all mammals and half of the plants since the dawn of civilization and that even if the destruction were to end now, it would take five to seven million years for the natural world to recover. Wow. And we're not slowing down. That's the thing. In a hundred years it's gonna be us and a couple of squirrels and some sparrows. That's what's gonna be and you know Chipmunks. And and chipmunks, probably too, yeah.
5: Um, And actually, um, further down, it says the biggest cause of wildlife loss is the destruction of natural habitats, much of it to create farmland. Three-quarters of all land on Earth is now significantly affected by human activities. Killing for food is the next biggest cause. 300 mammal species are being eaten into extinction while the oceans are massively overfished, with more than half now being industrially fished.
6: And that leads into another story. That uh, I found. And, and all of these these links are posted at MikeNovak.net. If you go to this week's show, you can find them. Uh, and it's this is new series of reports by Inside Climate News. Those are great people. Um, and the headline on this one is how the Farm Bureau's climate agenda is failing its farmers. Subtitled. That agenda has left farmers ill-prepared to cope with effects of climate change, droughts, heat, and storms, while neglecting a key climate solution. And basically, uh, it it talks about how Farm Bureau, had, well, has kind of been the enemy of climate uh, stability
11: mm-hmm.
6: in the world, and th- they they're unapologetic about it. That's that is, that is the amazing thing about this, uh, and, uh, and you just cannot believe – and this, so and this is the first of a series of articles that they're going to do. Uh, for instance, you look at Farm Bureau's decades of climate policy opposition. They have a little sidebar here. 1980, called for abolishing the Environmental Protection Agency. 1987, supported opening the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge to oil and gas drilling. What does Farm Bureau have to do with the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge, except that they are in bed with the oil and gas industry? Nineteen seven to ninety nine helped scuttle Senate ratification of of the of the Kyoto Protocol, the first treaty requiring cuts in greenhouse gases. So they've been fighting this for 20 years, us fighting greenhouse gases. 2009 opposed the American Clean Energy and Security Act, known as the Waxman Markey Bill, which would have established a carbon trading program. They hate carbon trading. They don't want any of this. They're basically they're sticking their heads in the farm soil, and not looking up. So those two articles are there, and you might want to take a look at that. And uh, they they do not bode well for us. But you had something else that uh, you found that is kind of interesting, the uh, in National Geographic.
5: Yeah, And actually, um, you're talking about the kids. Right, yeah. Yeah, so this is also, the uh, New York Times picked it up um, as well. But we had talked a couple weeks ago about, the National Geographic, uh, the running Trump administration oh, right, list. Right, right, right. A running list of how President Trump is changing environmental Did they, policy. They have
6: something new up there now?
5: They have something new related to this story. Uh, one of the things we had talked about was the youth climate change suit that's actually been going on. It was originally filed in 2015 during the Obama administration, um, but it's called Juliana versus United States. Um, the current administration had sought to, again, delay this for it not going in front of the courts. Basically, there is a, uh, a group of youth, in start, 21 youth started in 2015, wanting to seek trial against the government in general for not um, having strong energy policies and other things to mitigate climate change, that it's affecting their future. And this has been kind of a back and forth. And on November 2nd, the Supreme Court refused to halt the trial in the case of Juliana versus the United States and rejected an appeal by the Trump administration as premature. Lawyers for the 21 Youths who filed the case in 2015 announced they will seek to have the trial begin the week of November 5th. And you can go to Nat Geo and New York Times or some full articles. But basically... Um, in a three-page unsigned order, the justices advised the government to take its arguments back to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals and left open the possibility that the government could return to the Supreme Court. Um, and so basically it looks like it is going to go to trial. And cool.
6: Good. The, the youth, Bring the kids in.
5: And it's this is they think this is going to be a precedent-setting case. Um The youth suit contends that the federal government pursued energy policies that caused climate change, even though it knew for more than a half century that carbon emissions would destabilize the climate and the failure to protect future generations from the effects of climate change violated their generation's constitutional right to live in a, quote, climate system capable of sustaining human life.
6: (laughs) Well, you know, if anybody's going to suffer from this, it's the kids. Um, You know, I'm going to be out of here pretty soon. So, hey, what do I care? Yeah, you know, let's have a few more billion people on the planet. You know, I was talking to a guy yesterday at the at the Green Living Expo who 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 argues this like with his crazy brother-in-law and his crazy father-in-law and <laughs> the, uh, the
5: Thanksgiving discussion. Exactly
6: the Thanksgiving discussion, uh, and he says, you know, the 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 argument that always comes up um, is that hey, the world works in cycles. This has happened before, and I say, you know what? Um, not with 7 billion people mm-hmm. on the planet and not with 40 billion tons of carbon being pumped into the atmosphere each year. This has never happened in this way before.
5: Although there is a cycle. There have been five mass extinctions before.
6: Yeah, <laughs> except none of them have been caused by one species. Oh, my goodness. Uh, we've got, we're have got we going to have to break and bring in Rick DeMaio, who will probably give us more good news. What, what do you know? <laughs> Uh, Well, uh, but if you want to see more of this information, go to our website, MikeNovak.net. You'll see one more, which is a second round of tests commissioned by the Environmental Working Group. Found the active ingredient in Monsanto's Roundup Weed Killer in every sample of popular oat-based cereal and other oat-based food marketed to children. 28 samples Ah. tested. Glyphosate was in 28 of those samples and the uh, the number that were above EWG's health benchmark were 26 out of 28. All right, we'll be back On with Rick
2: Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? Do you love trees? Do you
5: have a great story to tell about a special tree in your life? The Morton Arboretum and Open Lands have partnered to launch Tremendous Tree Stories, an online collection of stories highlighting people's connections to trees. Submit stories of the trees you cherish, remember from your childhood, or that hold a special meaning for you. Browse their collection and consider sharing your own tree story by visiting tree-stories.org. That's tree-stories.org.
6: Yeah, the question of the day. Why should I get up? Exactly. Exactly. This whole world's gone crazy. Think I've
0: seen enough. I'm going to sleep forever. Why get up?
6: And you know, this is the perfect day to do that because <laughs> you, you get that extra hour. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, uh, Rick, did you uh, get an extra hour of sleep this morning, I hope?
10: No, 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 no. That never works for me. <laughs> <laughs> Matter of fact, I i I got up at four in the morning and had a bowl of cereal
6: <laughs> with glyphosate in it
10: uh no with milk no that' would usually works best with cereal <laughs> no no the
6: the, glyphos, the glyphosate was in there anyway, you just didn't know that, okay,
10: so yeah, you're probably right about that yeah. but um no i mean i I actually like this time of the year because the mornings get a little bit brighter i i'm the I'm the person who gets up at five fifteen and is in the car at six. Yeah. And drive 52 miles, Tuesday and Thursday, from Evanston to uh, Lewis University Airport, uh, where I teach a 7.30 class. So for me, the last two or three weeks have been just awful, uh, driving in basically complete darkness up until mm-hmm. about 7 o'clock. Right. Yeah. So I, I like it. I, I don't mind it one bit right now.
6: I get up every day at 5.15. However, it's p.m. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> <laughs>
10: Yeah, it's happy hour somewhere, right? (laughs) Um, Yeah, but it's interesting, guys, because um, it it always seems to be the case the first Sunday, or I should really say the first day we're actually experiencing uh, the return to standard time, you you, you tend to have like one of those kind of cloudy, windy, blustery days where, you know, now your sunset today is at, what, I think it's at 4.45. Yeah, until January 27th,
5: yeah, before 5 o'clock.
10: Yeah, yeah, there you go, Peg. That's a good number there uh, to throw out. Um, but on a day like today, it's like this, it's getting dark at like 4:20, yeah. and you're like, "Oh my God, when did when did that happen?" It's just, <laughs> it's, it's if we would have had like one of those like nice, bright, sunny days, the sky would still be a little bit bright until about five o'clock. But I think what's more important is not so much that it's getting dark. It's like, where did the month of October and November go? It's going to feel like like December around here by the end of the week.
6: You know, it has gone ridiculously fast. I don't know how we got yeah. to November, and I know that November's going to. You know, we're 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 three weeks away from Thanksgiving. How did that
10: happen? Yeah, and I'm I'm hearing these stupid commercials pre Black Friday sales. What's that about? My
5: my has watching... been getting inundated. Yeah, uh, yeah,
10: yeah. And then there was a couple of commercials for Ace Hardware. I hate to ruin one of your sponsors, Mike, but they were actually <laughs> showing Christmas lights last night. I'm like, really. Can uh, you wait another three weeks,
6: I saw but, one. Of, um, I saw one of those uh, ads yesterday. Automobile Christmas hmm. ads, you know, like yeah. as, as if as if the I, big
5: fancy auto in your driveway, right, with a bow, with the bow, yeah.
6: with the bow. As if I'm going to get a, a car with a bow on it, and it's, and it's going to be in my my driveway when I get up on Christmas morning. Yeah, that happens. You don't right, have right. that, that happens
10: to everybody, doesn't it?
5: It'll be in your alley.
10: Yeah, <laughs>
5: to- to- <laughs> right. Total. Um,
10: you know, and and you know, speaking of the month of October. It felt like it lasted for a month and a half because we had the first 10 days of the month, we were running almost 10 degrees above normal. And then the last 21 days of the month, 19 out of those 21 were below normal. We actually finished the month 0.2 degrees above normal. Hmm. And the 17th, yeah, I know, it seems strange. Yeah. And we were the 17th wet, it's only because we had most of that rain in the first um, you know 10 days of the month. So it was almost... Not so much like a tale of two months, but it was like a tale of almost two seasons. We went from like the middle of summer to the middle of of fall. We didn't go to we didn't go from the end of summer to the beginning of fall. We basically went from the middle of one season to the middle of the next. Um, and even though we're getting some good rain now, we're getting a little bit of a break in the next probably hour, and then we'll get another band that comes through here. The next three days look very very unsettled. Uh, just about. Every leaf that you see in the tree right now, or the trees, rather, which look beautiful, by the way, mm-hmm. um, will probably be blown off by Tuesday afternoon as we have 40-mile-an-hour winds, and then nice. we have the possibility of rain mixed with snow around here Thursday night into Friday.
6: Uh, uh, snow, did you say? And temperatures in the mid-20s? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No. Oh, yeah.
10: Wow. It, it, it's it's going to get pretty darn cold. In fact, the the freeze that we have yet to have In the city, we'll most likely have uh, probably, I'm thinking probably Wednesday morning and then a real hard freeze uh, by Friday morning, if not Saturday morning, for sure. And that'll be the true end of the growing season. But I don't know about you guys, but the maples and the ginkgos look utterly fantastic, don't they?
6: There's been some really beautiful colors, I have to admit. Um, uh, And I... I wonder if that has been across the board uh, uh, around the country, but I've seen some terrific stuff here in the Midwest.
10: Yeah, and and I and I think I finally got it right after trying this for like 35 years, trying to predict what the colors were going to be like, and I was getting a little bit worried a couple of weeks ago. I'm like, things look really muted, but just in the last week, they've really, really popped. Um, and I I I stood under the ginkgo tree that's in front of my building, and, and it was almost like someone like turned the light switch on. It's amazing how bright it is. Uh, But, again, the next system that comes through, which is after the one that we get today, is going to be a real what we call window rattler, a lot of wind coming out of the west, and that's going to precede the next system that basically goes south of us that's going to, I think, begin a period of about two to three weeks of some very, very cold weather. Even though the calendar says November, I think by the middle of of next week it's going to feel, not even the middle of next week, by the end of this week, um, it's going to feel like the first or second week of December. Very chilly air moving into our area very, very quickly.
6: All right. Uh, so I guess we start to ask at this point, are we going to have a white Christmas? <laughs>
10: <laughs> Let's hope yeah. See, you're, you're the problem, Novak. I know. No, yeah. no, we're going to have a white said, Thanksgiving. You don't want any holiday, <laughs> holiday commercials. You asked me about Christmas already. Okay, <laughs>
5: are we going to have a white Thanksgiving?
10: There you go. There you go. you got to think more like Peg. Um, yeah, I think we could. And you know what? We've yeah. seen Peg in the last couple of uh, years we've seen white Thanksgivings and green Christmases. I think we had one two or three years ago. We had all that snow, like the mm-hmm. Thursday or no, no yeah. think It was a Friday before Thanksgiving, and then all of a sudden we had a green Christmas.
6: And then it didn't snow again the rest of the uh, season.
10: Right, you remember that? I, yeah. I think yeah. I went on. I think I went on the uh, out of the loop there um, and said, or at the edge rather, and said, "This is going to be our heaviest snow." All year, And you were right. <laughs> you remember that a few yeah, years ago. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> and, I was, so and I was right. Yeah.
5: So what's happening with that blob that's sitting out off Alaska, that warm air? Is that, is that still what's pushing the jet stream so far south? Yeah,
10: it still is, Peg. It's amazing because, you know, water temperatures really don't go away quickly. Um, so I think what, you know, to just re-educate our listeners is that the warm blob of air is actually over a warm body of water which ends up warming the air. Um, And as long as we keep getting some of these typhoons that move through kind of the western ridge of the Pacific High and pushes those storm systems through the Aleutians and then down into the western United States, that's dragging a lot of cold air down. I haven't really done much of a check on how this year's snowpack, which is early across Mm -hmm. southern areas of Canada, compares to the ones in the past. But Usually, if you get them really early, that tends to lead to a little bit colder weather in the month of November. But it doesn't really have that much of an impact for December. I think we got to wait another three weeks for that. But overall, the next three weeks definitely look below normal temperature-wise and above normal precipitation-wise. Very, very very wet weather the next 10, 14 days around here. That'll
6: be good for our, our, our friend, Fran, who called in and was wondering if he's going to get any rain and some water for some trees he put in the ground. So that's good. Hey, we need a... We need a yeah, so... I was just going to say, we need to get to a forecast, though. But uh...
10: Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, about an inch to maybe an inch and a half of rain today. The first batches will be through the second one uh, later this afternoon. Um, low to mid-50s today. Probably a break in the action tomorrow. Then more rain tomorrow night into Tuesday, but it should all be east of here by Tuesday morning. And then a really windy day on Tuesday with temperatures falling into the 40s. Uh, Wednesday looks kind of calm, and then rain and wet snow Thursday night into Friday with temperatures falling into the 20s. Highs next Friday and Saturday, only near 30 to 35 degrees. That's about 15 degrees below normal. Wow.
6: Okay. Thanks a lot. We'll talk to you next week.
10: I'll... Happy holidays. Happy holidays.
6: <laughs> Thanks to everybody on the show. Kerry Schloss, Jerry Godowskis. Uh, thanks to Randall. And uh, to our friend Ellie. I'm as
1: mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore.
6: And uh, no thanks to Mark Zuckerberg. We'll see you next week. Until then, go green. Or go home.